Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Man, what about Andre Vasilevsky? He returned to the lineup after missing 14 games with an injury, and John Cooper said on Thursday night he was the Lightning's best player by a country mile. The Maple Leafs, they pumped 49 shots at Vasilevsky. He stopped a team record 48 of them as the Lightning win 4-1 in a game that, believe me, Toronto completely dominated everywhere except on the scoreboard. A flurry of goals to end the second period helped the Lightning pull away from a 2-1 lead and made it 4-1. Just an amazing night by Vassie. We're going to talk all about that in the Tampa Bay Rays. Folks, they made a huge trade at the winter meetings in Las Vegas. They dealt Jake Bowers to the Cleveland Indians for third baseman Yandy Diaz. One of their core players, they also gave up $5 million in the deal. What's behind moving one of their young stars? We're going to discuss that as well. And the Tampa Bay Bucks will play the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Dirk Cutter on Thursday got a little downright defensive about his offensive line. What was behind all that? We've got all that and more on this Football Friday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, we're just 11 days. That's right, 11 days from Christmas. Not a lot of time to get your shopping done, but I've got a solution for you. Go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Do that right now. they got the best prices, and for now, for our listeners only, you get 20% off all jewelry purchases. That's right, whether you're looking for that statement piece for your wife or your girlfriend, maybe a diamond necklace or Maybe a diamond bracelet or some nice earrings. Or maybe you want to pop the question to your future wife and become engaged on New Year's Eve. Well, Andy's going to find that perfect diamond engagement ring to match your bride. And so now, for our listeners only, if you go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds, tell Andy you heard this on our podcast. You get 20% off all jewelry purchases. They've got the best prices. Don't go to the shopping malls. That's the big overhead. You're going to get your best deals and your most beautiful jewelry from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. Make sure you get there before Christmas. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, Steve, you were at the game. Uh, this had to be an unbelievable atmosphere. First of all, Toronto, a very good team, and uh, you know their first meeting of the year. They, I think they'll play them, what, three more times? That's correct. Uh, after Thursday, but... Uh, you know, it was a packed house. A lot of I, I was told a lot of Toronto fans were there as well. So pretty, pretty cool atmosphere. And I remember, you know, in the afternoon, of course, we've seen uh, Vassy. You know, he's been skating lately, and the question was whether or not, you know, what game would he play in? Would they wait until they went on this road trip? That didn't make much sense. They start in Winnipeg, um, so he starts at home against Toronto uh, in a big game, and. You know, nothing like seeing just what he's got, right? I mean, nothing like protecting your goaltender. It's funny because before the game, I saw the interview with Steven Stamkos, and they're like, you know, uh, you know, obviously he's our best player. It's great to have him back, but you know, we can't just like let him go at it alone. You know, they did. We got, we got, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> and they just let him. And I mean, it, it was the the amount of ice time that Toronto had. Uh, was was incredible. I mean, it, it's hard to believe that the Lightning came away with a four to one win. Of course, they they're so explosive offensively, and they exploded towards the end of that second period to pull away. Um, but man, I mean, this guy will look. I mean, for not first of all for not having played, you know, missing fourteen games and all those weeks. And I know you can practice all you want to, but he was as sharp as you could ever hope to see a goaltender be. Well, you got a little worried because so he gives up a goal on the second shot. Grant was an awful turnover by Nikita Kucherov, who tried a bad cross ice pass in his own zone. But you, you know, several they had several shots hit the post early. I think three in the first period actually. They got although lucky, yeah. when you looked at the replays, Vassy actually got pieces of it to force it to hit the post. You know, initially you just thought it kind of hit the post and got by him, but it didn't. Um, so, but so he lets in a goal on the second shot. And then he stopped 47 straight after that. <laughs> and some incredible that. stop. One, he had to stop three times. 
That was, yeah. It kind of went was... through his glove, then went over his back, then it kind of hit his leg, then he swept it forward. He... He kicked his he leg mule up. Kicked it. He yeah. mule kicked it back to him. <laughs> I mean, without no, just kind of feeling like where it was on his skates. It was unbelievable. It that's was, one of the best saves he's had. That's a highlight real save. Yeah, I mean, that uh, you know, that's right up there with that the behind-the-back one that he had last yes. season uh, against the Kings, yes. I believe it was, last season. So the Lightning have 21 shots in the game, and, and Toronto has 49. <laughs> I mean, it, they dominate. Uh, Toronto dominate. They were, they were aggressive. Their forecheck was uh, – they were all over the Lightning. I mean, those pa- they kept trying cross-ice pass after cross-ice pass, and it would not get through. You know, so they go down one nothing early, and then Tony Sorelli, and, and a fantastic pass by Ryan Callahan, the shorthanded, up to Sorelli, who, who impressively puts it behind Frederick Anderson to, to tie the game at one one, and then Kucherov, you talk about a blistering shot. Well, as a laser on a power play, so he shoots the puck, and Frederick Anderson catches it, but it's so strong it pulls the glove back in the net. It carries him behind the yeah behind the goal yeah. behind the line to cross line. The, the officials initially said no goal, but then the replay mm-hmm. showed the puck definitely crossed the line in his glove. Mm-hmm. And then the Lightning, after being dominated in the second period, although I, the last couple minutes of the second period they 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 pushed back. They got the one of the problems the Lightning had on Thursday night was six power. They gave up six penalty or power plays. Yeah, when you're when you're that many penalty kills, and that was yeah. pretty much the whole second period until the very end. Right. There, um, you're you're gonna it's gonna be lopsided. Although they went six for six in the kills, and and they kind of got right. better as the night went on. The first few weren't. I mean, Toronto was having lots of zone time. By the end, they were doing a lot better. That's six straight games the Lightning have not given up a power play goal now. If you remember, they started no, the season incredible. they started the season very hot. They mm-hmm. dipped about fifteen twenty games ago. And started giving up a bunch, but now they've gone. I believe it's uh, seventeen for seventeen in those six games. And I heard Matt Salmon on the post game show saying, "I think in their last uh, is it eleven games, they're twenty eight of thirty on the kill, with three shorthanded goals." Yeah. So they've yeah, scored more than they've given up on the power play in the last eleven games. Yeah. Although I would say that uh, in the second period, there. I mean, I think there was one one power play that. Uh, you know your your best penalty killer is is often your goaltender. I think oh, he stopped eight. He stopped eight shots in one two minute power play. So uh, he got peppered on a couple of those. Uh, yeah, he went. He, he stopped fifteen difference. power play shots out of their forty nine shots. Yeah, which is incredible because those are those are good opportunities. Those are yeah. good scoring chances in some of them. So you know, I found it interesting. I mean, there was some talk, and and you know, so Vasilevsky's cleared to play and come back, and and so people are saying, mm-hmm. well, you got to ease him in. You shouldn't start him against. Uh, against Toronto. The best team. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a regular season game. That's and, right. And what are you waiting for? To go to Winnipeg and start them? Who's one of the best teams also? I mean, that's your next game. Right. Is that Winnipeg? So, um, you know, throw them in there. And, and You're at home. You know, as long as he's you know, ready, if, if, if he feels confident right. and ready and he's cleared. He, uh, look, I mean, Louis Domingue did fantastic job for the 14 games that Andre Vasilevsky was out. But Andre Vasilevsky's... Elite. Elite. Louis Domingue mm-hmm. was very good. Vasilevsky's elite. So throw him out there. And, and you, know, I, you know, if Louis Domingue's in that tonight, who knows what that score is. Sure. And, and it's not a knock on Louis. No. But, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky was unworldly tonight. It would be hard to imagine that Domingue would have stopped 47 in a row, you know, at mm-hmm. any point mm-hmm. uh, in the game. And. These were these, you know, like I said, one one highlight reel, but a bunch of really, really, really good stops that a lot of goaltenders wouldn't have had. Look, he was sharp, and as long as he's healthy, and apparently he is, I can't imagine they didn't already err on the side of caution because Domingue was playing so well. So it's it's there is a chance that he could have come back even sooner. Um, but they're pretty smart about these things from a medical standpoint, and and also just. You know, getting the green light from him that he feels like. And you know what? The one thing you could tell is that he was seeing the puck really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some traffic in front of him. Um, it wasn't th- – these were not shaky stops. You know, he was solid with the glove. There weren't a lot of rebounds. Um, you know, he didn't have a lot of movement in the net like, you know, he rarely does anyway. But uh, he was just – I mean, the guy the, – you know, like, there's <laughs> – I mean, he's, he's, he's so big and so, so agile – um, that's why I mean that's why they call him the big cat. I mean the guy, the guy can move at his size like very few goaltenders on the planet, 
And uh, you, you had to be – I mean, Toronto had to be a little frustrated after a while. It's like, geez, come on, what do you got to do? You know, I mean, he stole the game. I know it was 4-1. to one. I know people will look at the score and they'll go, well, you know, they score full goals and, you know, that's, that's kind of how they won. But, no, uh, Toronto, Toronto dominated the largest portion of that game. Oh, no, had no, to f- no. Toronto comes out of this game going – They've got to be really confident because they took on the best team in the league and dominated and played very yes, well. Yes, they did. But they've yes, got to be did. very disappointed in the result. Right. The result would disappoint them, but they know they can play with the Lightning and dominate them. And I'm telling you, these two teams are going to have quite a season together. You know, they're going to see each other somewhere down the road, not just the, the three remaining games, but in the postseason well, as well. They should finish one and two in the Atlantic Division and face mm-hmm. each other in the second round of the playoffs. Right. Assuming one of them's not upset in the first two. And that would be a hell of a series. I mean, already you can tell the way those two teams can skate. It, w- it was going to be something. So, still impressed with the Lightning. And, and, and they do have, I mean, the, the explosive ability of their offense. You know, shorthanded goals are happening for them as well. But mm-hmm. they are so explosive, you know. And they can jump on you. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we, we've seen them get down in so many games. Yep. one nothing, 2 nothing means nothing to these guys. Well, and they scored, the, they scored two goals late in the second period within, what, 35, 36 seconds 35 apart. seconds, yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and just they just jump on you so quick, and you don't know what hit you. Yeah, Tyler Johnson got his with about a second and 1.3 seconds or something like that left in the second period. Um, so that's, that's how fast, you know, a- after, you know, following up a goal. So... Yeah, it was uh, – look, this, this hockey season is going to be a special one, and it already is for the Lightning. Um, how many what, how I believe many they're ahead they of last already? year. They're 51 points through 33 games. Points. I believe they're a point ahead of last year's pace at this point now. I mean, think about that. I mean, m- missing your best player, your goaltender, for 14 of those games, mm-hmm. and the, the torrid start they had last year, which you didn't think that they could possibly match, um, they've already gotten ahead of it, and – We've got a lot of hockey, you know. I mean, look, there's a lot of hockey down the road, but this is a deep team. Um, this is this is a team that has just tons of scoring in it, um, tons of explosive scoring, and, and then now you mix you miss back Sebastian there. Though they can't hang him out to dry like that every night. I mean, they're gonna have to play better around him. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, this road trip. Look, they got a four game road trip to Western Canada. You go to mm-hmm. Winnipeg, who's one of the best teams in, in the West. You go to Vancouver, who's now healthy and playing better. And if you remember, Vancouver beat the Lightning in game two of the season. Right. Uh, then you go to Calgary, who's the top team in the West right now. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Edmonton, who's won. Uh, Cooper mentioned the postgame. He thought like eight of the last ten. But they're, they're playing really well right now. So this is a, a tough four-game road trip you got coming up right before Christmas. And, you know, you're going to Canada. It's going to be 20 degrees is the high. Long flights. Yeah. It's, you know, they've they got a tough week coming up here. And late nights yeah, no, for everybody watching the Lightning. This will be tough. And, and, uh, and yet, they've won eight in a row. And that's, you know, that's second best in franchise history. Nine is the yeah. franchise record. That's right. And could tie that in Winnipeg. And, and I think for this year, was it Buffalo won 10 or 11 in a row? That's probably the, the longest. 10. Yeah, the Lightning the snapped the 10 game streak that Buffalo had. Yeah. And that's the longest in the NHL this year, I think. Uh, I believe um, so, so. Yes. Yeah. So they they got a chance to, to even uh, even try to crack that. So, yeah. Congratulations yeah, to the well, Lightning and, and welcome back. Look, they went four and zero on that homestand, and the homestand had Boston, who's probably mm-hmm. a playoff team. Colorado is a playoff team out west. Rangers yep. are kind of on the borderline, probably not going to make the playoffs. And yep. then Toronto, who you know, standing wise and everything else, the second best team in the East. So, and to go four and four zero, that's an impressive homestand. It's kind of the point where you're surprised if they lose. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I was out to mm-hmm. dinner, um, you know, during the first period, uh, glanced at the score a couple times, and they were down – they got down one nothing in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe. And, uh, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then before I know I look up, and it's 2-1. to one. I watched this whole most of the second period and the third period. But um, you just expect these guys to win no matter who they're playing every night now. I mean, that's, that's the kind of hockey team they've put together. It is, and although kinda, t- tonight wasn't a night they deserved to win. But, you, you know, you no, get those sometimes. No. And there, there are nights that you play better than the other team. Like, you know, if you remember the Buffalo game in Buffalo a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they completely outshot Buffalo and dominated that game. But Carter Hutton came up with big saves, and Buffalo wins 2-1. to one. Right. Tonight, Andre Vasilevsky was incredible, and the Lightning win 4-1. to one. Right. And Matthew Joseph yeah, didn't play tonight. He was out. He's day-to-day with a lower body injury. 
which Cooper in the postgame said that he re-aggravated an injury in the uh, – which game did he say? I don't remember which game now. Maybe the Colorado game. And he played through it, but he needs some rest. So he sat out on Thursday night. Don't know what when if he'll play on Sunday in Winnipeg or if they'll sit him again. But so Adam Ernie returned to the lineup on Thursday night. Adam's been waiting his turn. Yeah, talk about He's the unluckiest guy. So you know, Andre Pollock comes back and you get sick and you're out for six, seven, eight, whatever games it is that he sat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's hey, they're they're deep. It's tough to make the tough tough to get on the ice, but um, that's that's going to be a good thing in a long season. So. We'll follow the Lightning on this road trip, of course, uh, you know, and talk about them next week as well. Meanwhile, uh, I want to go to this story because this this surprised me when I heard the name, and uh, I didn't see this coming. Very few people did. The Rays have been active and are going to be active in the winter meetings. Of course, you know, we can talk about Charlie Morton, who they uh, who they acquired um, in, in a pretty big, you know, pretty expensive deal. Quite frankly, was it thirty million dollars? I think they thirty paid? million over two years with an option for a third year. Yeah, which is, I mean, for a 30, was he 35-year-old pitcher, I think? 35, yep. Had his uh, best season ever. Went, uh, what, 15-3, and three, I think, with a 3-1-3 ERA, I believe. Yeah, and a great guy and a great teammate. I mean, we could get into to him. But but out in Las Vegas, um, kind of a blockbuster deal, kind of a name you didn't expect. The Rays dealt Jake Bowers and also ended up parting with $5 million to get uh, Yandy Diaz, who's a, a very promising uh, corner infielder, uh, mostly a third baseman, and this guy's—he's 27-year-old from Cuba. He's only played 88 games in the majors, but they are so uh, excited about him. But to give up a core player—I mean, I remember last year we talked about this, Steve. You know, they were kind of like middling around several, many games below 500, I think, and. They got the infusion of those two rookies, Willie Adamas mm-hmm. and Jake Bowers, and it and the energy they brought, and of course the skill they brought. And those two guys have played at every level in the minors, won everywhere they've been, won at AAA, won won titles, waited their turns until they came up. Uh, what was it like in June, sometime I think, and they they helped turn the Rays' fortunes around in that season. They go on, they win ninety games. And I really felt that, that Bowers and Adamas were going to be the two guys, uh, maybe the biggest two guys, core guys, that they would build around. Um, but they, you know, and I don't think they dislike Bowers, but, um, you know, they're left-handed heavy in their lineup. Bowers is left-handed, obviously. And quite frankly, I mean, you know, the first 48 games that he came to the majors last year, he hit 244, which is fine, uh, an 852 OPS. But then in his in his last like forty eight games he batted one fifty. Yeah, you know he definitely he struggled really to end struggled. the season. Yeah, and and you just wonder. And again, you know, they, I, I think this is more about what they think about Diaz than what they don't think about Bowers because obviously, you know, obviously Cleveland sees a lot uh, to make this deal. They must be excited about about Bowers. But there's something that tells me that the Rays just aren't real confident that, that Bowers is going to hit consistently either with power or for average because he struck out a lot uh, in the majors. And it's a short sample size. He was only up there a half a season. I get the, get all that. Um, but the combination of the opportunity to get this this you know third baseman, which which leads me to think that they're not done by a long shot, that you know, we're going to see a lot more. Now, as part of this deal, um, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, went from Cleveland to Seattle as it was a three-team deal that also sent Carlos Santana back to the Indians. So it was a, you know, it was kind of a, like I said, it was a three-team deal involving uh, a lot of big-name players. But, you know, I, I mean, they're, they're going for it. In, in a sense, they're going for it. I mean, the money they spent on Morton was surprising to me. Um, and then this deal also surprised me. But I'll say this. I didn't see them doing what they did last year. I had them losing 100 games, and I didn't even think it was going to be close. And for them to come out and thread the needle and, you know, the whole thing with the openers and so on and so forth, uh, the injuries they had to their pitching staff, all of that, not having really a a designated closer, so to speak, um, let alone starter, to win 90 games, I'm not going to question these guys anymore. I'm just not. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Well, it's okay to question it. Uh, Look, when I got the news that Jake Bowers was traded, I was what? 
Although, mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm not surprised the Rays trade anybody. If they get the right price for Kevin Kiermaier, he's going to be traded. If they get the right p- price for Blake Snell, they'll trade him. No, mm, no. no, that that price that price is very very steep. <laughs> yeah, that, right. But I mean, but I'm saying is is that they're not afraid to make trades. They're not afraid to if they if they feel they're getting a better value in return than what they're giving up, they'll do it. What surprised me about this trade was okay, Jake Bowers got traded for who? I've never heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, I know he was an international signing out of Cuba when he defected. And, and you know, if you follow some of the prospects and stuff, you, you probably know him. But I, did, I never heard of him. You know, if you're trading, you know, Jake Bowers, who, you know, you're kind of thinking. I mean, I know the Ray Stadium deal in Ybor City is dead. But when they announced the stadium plans last season and you start going, OK, that's five, six seasons away. Who's going to play in the stadium that's on the team? And, you know, the way the Rays go through players, there's not many, but you thought Bowers and Adamas had a pretty good shot. Mm-hmm. And Bowers is gone before 2019. So, I mean, it's shocking in that regard. You know, look, the, the Rays, if they're trading Jake Bowers and giving up cash for Yandy Diaz, they must believe highly in him. And, and yeah, maybe do. it works, maybe it does. I know he hits the ball very hard. He's got, in the last two seasons... And granted, he's only played 88 games. I think it's 299 plate appearances. But he's in the top 20 of hard hitest, or the hardest hit balls. Like almost 48% of his balls come off the bat 95 miles an hour or greater. Mm-hmm. And I know I think they're, they want to work with him on launch angles some, which you hear a lot in the StatCast era as they like as Andy and Well, Dave he doesn't hit it. He has, I mean, by, by his numbers, he has no power. Right. Even though he's a well-put-together guy. Well, he hits the, the ball yoked, hard. He doesn't hit home up. runs. Yeah. He doesn't get lift. Right. Right. So my guess is they see something they can tweak in that. But he, he gets on base. He, uh, his what career average is 283, I think, on base percentage is 340, 350-ish, something in that range. Yeah. My thought is is that they see him as the third baseman, and Matt Duffy's probably going to be traded. Well, and I think that's where we're headed. I mean, uh, you know, he, he can play other positions, but uh, if you're carving out that big of a, of a, of a space for him mm-hmm. by trading, you know, someone like Bowers, you're going to play him. You think he can play at the major league level, or he's very close to playing at the major league level. He's mm-hmm. played 88 games. So, you know, third base is his best position. That's where he's played the most. Yep. And, I, you know, Duffy was, was their best hitter average-wise. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Brings veteran leadership, a good guy in the clubhouse. All of those things can lead off, can do a lot of things for you. Um, but, you know, if you can replace him with, with, with an up-and-coming star, as, as you probably think this guy is going to be, um, there's got to be a pretty good trade value for Duffy because he, he came back. You know, this is what the Rays do. They take guys that are kind of injured, um, you know, and put them back together, let them get healthy. They produce, and then very often they move them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for why they do that. But, you know, this is this – is, you have to – if you're going to commit this sort of resource, I think you have to create that, that opportunity for this kid. You know, I don't think you – you know – I mean, maybe if they felt he needed another year in the minors when they did the deal, okay. But I don't think that's the case here. I think they're saying Yandy Diaz could be our starting third baseman. And so I agree with you. I think, I think we're just starting to see, you know, sort of the moves that they're going to make. Yeah, and, you know, you got to remember, too, they've got some prospects coming up, too. I mean, Nate Lowe was their minor league player of the year last season. Hit tons of that's home right. runs throughout. And he's a first baseman by position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, G-Man Choi could play some first base, and I know he was pretty much a DH except for the last week of the season. I think he got in a game or two at first, but uh, right. you've still got him on the roster there. And, and you know, quite frankly, the, the Rays are still in talks where possibly Nelson Cruz is coming as another bat, um, right. you know, to move things around, or JT Realmuto, you know, uh, Jose Martinez from the Cardinals possibly. You know, there, there's uh, they've got there's they're not done. That's no. all. I have no idea who they may sign. But or or trade for, but they're not done. Well, and and you know to that point, look at the changes that this ball club made last last spring. The guys they got rid of, and everybody hyperventilating about that. And the guys that came, and then they got rid of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I mean that that you know the opening day roster wasn't close to what they had by the end of the season, and um, so we know that there will be changes. They also get Cole Solser, who's a 28 year old uh, right handed pitcher. Who was uh, bounced between Double A AA and Triple A last year? He went eight and four, uh, with a three eight six ERA and ninety five strikeouts in, in about sixty or sixty one innings or so. Uh, and then they also they, I mentioned the five million dollars, which is no small 
change for the Rays. Uh, that also got into the deal. Uh, I think that went to the Mariners, actually, because that was part of a three-team deal. Their GM, by the way, good note by Mark Tompkins, Jerry DePoto, he worked from his hospital bed because he's got blood clots in his lungs. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sorry, but, like, I'm taking the day <laughs> off, man. We're not – my assistant GM, whoever he is, is doing this deal. If I got blood clots in my lungs, please. You know, that's taking advantage of a guy probably on pretty good medication, I would think, at this point. Um, but, yeah, so – Interesting times for the Rays mm-hmm. now. Well, and Charlie Morton and the signing. So Morton, they signed two years for fifteen million dollars. So the mm-hmm. rotation as of now looks like it's going to be Blake Snell, Charlie yep. Morton, and Tyler Glass now, and then probably two bullpen guys. But don't forget, uh, unless well, I mean they're the, going to get guys back in June. Well, too, sure, right? Brent I mean, Honeywell and Jose De Leon probably a June July return from Tommy John. Now you don't expect them to be. You know, usually no. it takes another six months to a year before you're fully back right. from that. And Anthony Bonda, too, right. at some point, although I think he might be later in the season or he might end up missing all of 2019. But, mm-hmm. you know, you might be getting to a point where, look, you know, 2020, Blake, Glassnow, Morton, Honeywell, and De Leon. You, got, you might have five starters by 2020. Yeah, it certainly looks like that's where they're headed. I mean, look, they're they're not – this whole idea about the opener was was born out of necessity and and a lot of analytics that mm-hmm. I think other teams have said they're going to follow. I mean, there's been teams that say we're doing that this year. Yeah. We're going to do what the Rays did, and it makes sense. And the reason is, you know, the expense of starting pitchers that you know whether it's Justin Verlander or you know David Price. I mean, whoever these guys are, um, that's one thing. They're, they're they're incredibly expensive to get guys that are at the upper rung. Well, and there ain't many of them either. There's not enough of them. There's not enough guys that you're going to say, "Here's the ball. Go get, go pitch us seven or eight, in, you know, six or seven innings every night." Um, yeah, or that third time through the lineup for most pitchers is extremely difficult. And the last twenty and the last three outs of a twenty-seven out game is tough. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so we, we even there's saw a pitcher, lot of guys yeah. though in the in the middle, right? That can mm-hmm. throw, you know, full out. Give me an inning. Give me two yep. innings. Whether that's the first inning, and if you if you work the matchups the way the Rays did, and I've got you know three right-handed batters coming up, and I've got a right-handed you know guy that throws ninety-eight and get get it over the plate, and I only need to pitch him one inning. The first inning will work. Well, and I love you know? you know for instance Ryan Stanek last year, an arm that throws hundred miles an hour, powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he pitched so well in the first inning. But when you put him late in the games, and he's a young pitcher and he's learning and growing and adapting, he struggled. And, and, and a lot of that's mental. It had nothing to do with the stuff he's got. But right. it's a situation of the game and, and, and the hitters as well. I mean, you're, you're dealing with some pinch hitters now and situational stuff. It's a one-run game. Where in the first sure. inning, you know, it can also alleviate some of that pressure too, and including from a starting pitcher. You know, you got a young starter who's thinking, i got to go seven, eight innings. Well, he doesn't come into the second or third inning. You know, so a lot of this is mental too. Of course it is. Of course it is. And and there's a lot and there's just a lot of guys that throw hard um that can give you three outs, mm-hmm. six outs, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And and then by that time you're you know, you're through the lineup, you're now you're at the bottom third when you bring in a guy. And mm-hmm. now he's starting the game yep. not against the top three hitters or the top five hitters, but he's facing seven, eight, and nine. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it just changes the mentality of the guy coming in behind you. I mean, all of it mm-hmm. makes sense from an analytic standpoint. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> you go back to the shifts and the things that the Rays have done now. Baseball's talking about maybe taking those out of the game altogether um, because everybody has adopted it. So, um, but yeah, I, look, I'm all in. I, after what they, they demonstrated last year, um, I'm not going to question. But they did admit, and I think this is probably true, it's a shock to those players and a shock to Willie Adamas who is a young player that still needs confidence, and and I'm sure um, he got a a baptism by fire about what the business of baseball is because there's no way that that, his relationship with Bowers and what they've been through and coming to the majors together, and they really did sort of lift each other uh, and and lift the energy of this team when they came up last year. But now Adamas has lost lost his buddy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and it's not a small thing when you're a young player – um, you know, to, to have somebody who's going through the same things you are um, and that knows you, you know, that knows your swing, that um, mm-hmm. can read your moods, that can get you up uh, and knows what to say or what not to say, when not to talk to you, those sort of things. 
Um, and they're both high energy guys, and you could feel the energy they both brought to the team. So they're. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's going to be some adjusting here um, in this clubhouse and especially for Adames. So you have to keep a close eye on on just how he sort of handles and processes all this. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a shock for the fans too. I mean, you know, you kind of thought that they were building around Adamas and Bowers. Yeah, and, you know, Kier Myers under contract and 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 that. But you know, that was really, I got to assume the Rays marketing department's going what what. <laughs> right all those bobbleheads yeah. hey, and whatever hey, other jake bowers nights we plan this this year at least yeah. hey, at least they told us in december instead of you know february yeah you wonder how many posters they had created of those two right <laughs> i mean jeez. um yeah that's a tough one you know good looking kid everybody liked him um you know you still remember the walk-off home run and the moments he had already early in his career but uh there were a few so uh anyway it's, uh, it's never dull with the Tampa Bay Rays, and we'll see, we'll see how that works out for him. And, and then more, uh, more from the winter meetings. We'll try to get Mark Tompkin on uh, here in the next uh, week or so, maybe before Christmas. If so we can get him out of the about... casinos. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Heard a guy, a Bob. I think it was Bob Nightingale called in to uh, Dan Patrick yesterday, and I'm listening. We used to have Bob Matt Nightingale on a lot on on DAE when we were doing mm-hmm. the uh, the radio show. And Bob's a good. He's a, he's the USA Today. He's you know, been been in baseball forever, columnist. And he he literally they asked him about some GM. He goes, "Yeah, I just left him in a casino about an hour ago. He was still down there." <laughs> of course, it's so this is like at nine a.m. Eastern. So it's six a.m. He's just getting back to his hotel room, you know, talking about him leaving one of the GMs in the casino. I'm thinking. Is Las Vegas really the best place for the winter baseball meetings? I'm not sure it is. Well, the NFL drafts uh, going there next year. I know, I know. Or twenty twenty, I guess not the nineteen, but the twenty twenty draft. They're going there with the with the Raiders, who will probably end up in San Diego next year because Oakland's suing them now. Um, or maybe, maybe the Raiders proposal. can just play all four of the London games and the one Mexico game, and then nobody else well, has to go there. I got the perfect. I got the perfect proposal. I, honest to God, do I think this would be the biggest hit in the world? You want to hear it? Absolutely. The Oakland Raiders for two thousand and nineteen. Move to Tampa, and they share Raymond James Stadium. So when the Bucks are on the road, the Raiders are playing at home. I tell you what, man, we got Bucks, we got Raiders, man, we got Pirates everywhere. You know, I thought you were going to say play at Tropicana Field, so you know you get more use out of that. Well, maybe that might be a better <laughs> idea. But I mean, you know, like the Jets and Giants kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, just kind of yeah. you just one season only, Gruden against whoever the coach is, whether it's Dirk or somebody else. And I got one more deal for you. Jameis Winston to the Raiders and Derek Carr to the Bucks. <laughs> just, to, just to make it interesting, you know? I think it'd be cool. For, and they need a home. I mean, they got to go someplace, right? Why send them to San Diego? They don't want them. They want the Chargers back. Speaking of which. Could you play three teams in Los Angeles next year? I mean, the Raiders played in Los Angeles before. Absolutely. You may have to because you've got that little – Dinky Stadium that the Chargers are at, but they could share the Coliseum with uh, with the Rams. Although I'm sure I'm sure the Rams would get a little ticked off about that, but but maybe not. By the way, uh, great game on Thursday night. Big big win, big win, big win by the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, on the road, on the road, and Andy Reid doing his uh, usual December swoon. <laughs> What's going on, Andy? You were scoring like a hundred points a game, you know. Patrick Mahomes with a no-look passes. Yeah, although, I mean, you know, and you could say it's going through the December swoon, but so... now they're playing well. The Chiefs are 11-3. and three. Yeah. Their three losses are to the Patriots, the Rams, and oh, the yeah. Chargers. Yeah, no, no. And, and frankly, if they, if they end up tied with the Chargers, they're going to win. I think they're going to win the division based on other tiebreakers. But um, So this loss, even though they're tied record-wise, I think they still have the edge. Um, it was a great game. And... Uh, Look, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'll say it a hundred thousand times. He's he's a, he's going yep. to the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's not appeared in a Super Bowl, 
and he's not really even had much success uh, in the postseason to speak of. But uh, this Mike is this a year. different Chargers this team. Year. This is a different Chargers team. They are really good. They've got they've got some receivers now. You know, Mike Williams is great. You know, and, and their defense has good players at every level. And Derwin James. For those Bucks fans that have to tech, have to tweet at me every time that Derwin James makes a play, <laughs> I get it. The Bucks get it. Jason Light gets it. You know, and I think at the end of the day, sorry, Derwin James might have a better career than Vita Vea, but you know what? It's a little early to determine that just now. Uh, yeah, well, you yeah. Know? One season and Vita Vea has been hurt a little bit. You can't. I mean, a, a lot. You yeah. can't call him I mean, a bust. You can't. Uh, no. he, he might end up being one, but he he you could can't, be after one season where you start off injured. You can't call it a bust, right? And we don't know if Derwin. We don't know that Derwin James, you know, doesn't get hurt. And and you know, I'm not rooting for it, but I'm saying mm-hmm. like certain players, you know, have injuries and and uh, or or their play drops off or what have you. But you know, everybody knew Derwin James was a good player. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's reasons why they didn't draft him. But I think the biggest reason was they like Vita Vea better. And I'm sorry, but no matter what safety you're talking about, unless it's Ronnie Lott, okay, uh, it, it is hard to put va- the same value on the, at the safety position as you do at a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. If you think the defensive tackle is a first-round talent, the value chart is going to tell you every time, take the guy closest to the football, Yep. period. That's how they get paid. If you look at what, what everybody makes in the NFL – what, who makes the most money? Quarterbacks. Who, who's the next highest paid guy? Defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Mostly ends. But if you got to, you know, I, look, I, <laughs> there's a couple guys in Los Angeles, and Aaron Donald and, and Damakon Sue that have gotten paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, I mean, those guys make money. If you can get to the quarterback from the defensive line position, you're going to make a lot of money, and you're going to impact every play, not just, not just the balls that go over somebody's head. So, and I know Derwin James can do a lot of things. He can come up in a box and support the run, and, he, and he's got great ball skills, and, and he's got, you know, some interceptions this year. But that's, I, I mean, you know, I get why you, you put more value on Vita Vea, and we'll see what he becomes. Because, you know, the last game, he played 80% of the snaps, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a hell of a lot. But he, you can see he's starting to get into shape now. He's starting, you know, he's, he's completely got his legs underneath him. Um, he's, he's into the game. He understands the flow of the game, the technique. He's getting off blocks. He's occupying a hell of a lot of blocks. They cannot block this guy one-on-one. When they do, it's a mistake. Um, you know, and he's creating things for other people. You know, some of those defensive ends are getting a lot of one-on-ones right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Vita Vea is going to have an impact for years to come. We'll see what he, what he is, and we'll measure him against Derwin James for time immortal. Um, and I get it. Derwin James may go to the Pro Bowl, and, and the Chargers may go farther than that. They may go well into the postseason. But it's just, it's just too early, folks. And you can at me all you want to. Um, I, I like both players. I, I, I didn't like Vita Vea early. I'm starting to like him a little bit now. He's starting to grow on me a little bit. I think he can do some things. He's not the fastest-footed guy in the world. Um, but he, he was well, when you're that big, you're never going to be. Yeah, but he's so damn – I mean, he is – listen – he is so powerful, I don't even think he realizes what, how powerful he is. You know, I've seen him take a guy, stick his hand in his chest and drive him backwards while the other guy is double-teaming him. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy some of the stuff he does on the field. You do not see that. You know, it's rare. So let's, let's let Vita Vea play a little bit and learn how to play at this level. And you know what? Some guys never learn. I mean, Noah Spence, it didn't happen for him. He was a second-round pick, but – you know, he never got the technique down or his body or whatever it is. And, of course, he's had injuries too. Um, so you just got to kind of wait and see how these guys, how they develop. Meanwhile, I had a conversation or sort of a back and forth with Dirk Cutter on Thursday. You know, the big topic this week has been the offensive line because they stunk, okay? And, and I know they played a really good New Orleans Saints team uh, last Sunday. But that was their worst game by far. Okay? And they're facing a better defense this week. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. New Orleans, very, very good defense. I'm going to give it to New Orleans. Look, they're they're a complete team. They they made some deal. You know, they they got Eli Apple, who's not a great corner, but they 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 put a safety over top of him. Marshawn Lattimore can absolutely lock your your best receiver down, as he did after the first deep ball to Mike Evans. He pretty much took him out of the game. Their pass rushers, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's got eighty something, almost ninety sacks in this league. He's having a hell of a year. He's a Pro Bowler. 
That guy absolutely wrecks games. So they got guys at every level that can really, really play, and that's a good, good defense, especially up front. But but Baltimore is elite in some ways. Um, and, and Terrell Suggs has had this sudden rebirth. Um, he's playing like he did 10 years ago almost. Um, so they've, they've got some really good players, and it's weird because they're not getting many turnovers, but they're absolutely stoning people. And so, you know, that offensive line, is, especially against that Ravens defense, which disguises all kinds of fronts. They walk people up in the A-gaps. You never know who's coming from what angles. They play a lot of man-to-man coverage, some cover zero. I mean, they, they're, they're, they get after it. You know, they show you a ton of looks. So, you know, the Bucs are going to have to be on it, especially up front, especially, um, you know, with Jameis Winston when he's calling those protections. But that offensive line wasn't very good. And, frankly, and, and this is kind of the argument we got, and it wasn't really an argument. This is kind of the, the, the sort of the response that, D- that Dirk had. First of all, he always has the default answer of, hey, our guys are our guys. Well, to me, that's not an endorsement of your guys. You know what I mean? No, that's like that's, look, look, this guys, is who the guys are guys. I got to deal with it. That's right. Don't you take it that way? And that kind of like throwing something at Jason Light a little bit. Like, well, look, this is what I have. What do you want me to do? It's two things. Um, it's, it's that. It's I didn't pick the players. This is who I'm stuck with. But it's also, what do you want me to do? Put somebody else in? I don't have anybody else. Exactly. And I'm and, and the and the acknowledgement. And there was there was an exchange with one of the writers today about. Um, Caleb Beninock, who by far has been their worst lineman. I mean, the right guard situation has not gotten any better in two years, right? Because they they were alternating Evan Smith and Caleb Beninock until Smith went on IR. Uh, you know, now you got Alex Kappa coming in there alternating with Beninock, and Kappa was a rookie that's only like been up three games or four games. Um, but Beninock has been a bit of a saloon door, to be honest with you. You know, he um, he's he's not getting them anything in the pass protection game, and quite frankly, he's not. You know they can't run the ball, so you can blame the running back, which you know Dirk has and others at times, and uh, but they're not creating anything. And then you know Demar Dotson, who I love, is an absolute stud. He's a warrior. He plays beat up like you can't imagine. But guys that don't practice usually don't play great, and he can't. He he has trouble practicing right now because he's so hurt. Um, and then, you know, you go to the left side. Nobody likes Donovan Smith. I like him better than most um, because I think he starts every single game, plays every single snap, and and when you count the number of elite defensive ends in this league that he faces each week, each and every week, he's by far not the worst left tackle in the league. I mean, he might not be the top five like, you know, George Warhop predicted he would be, but he's solid. He's not spectacular, but he's solid. And, you know, You'd have to draft a guy very high in the first round to find a left tackle that can that can play better, quite frankly, right now. So I'm okay with him. And Marpet's having a good year. I think mean, Marpet's a solid player. I think he's probably their best lineman. Jensen, Ryan Jensen, we've seen the penalties. You know, nine penalties for 100 yards, four, four unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. You know, last year he had his first really full season of starting for the Ravens, and he only had, he only committed four penalties the whole season. And yet they love the way he finished plays and all this stuff. So we saw the argument. So I asked Dirk about the offensive line. And after about three questions, he got the, got the feeling that maybe I was writing a story that wasn't going to be that flattering. Uh, and he was just kind of like, look, I, you know, I don't know what you want me, where you're going with this. Like, um, you know, our guys are our guys. And, and you know, you, you can say what you want about last week or whatever. But, you know, they are part of we, – we, we we're like number one in about seven categories on offense and they're part of that and that's true you know the bucks have the number one passing game in the nfl so they have to protect the quarterback for them to do that they have the number two offense in the nfl so that's part of it as well but we know they can't run the football i mean you know and then there's reasons for that where you are in games and behind and stuff but at the end of the day they have not created much for the running game they just haven't you know and Jameis Winston in this last game against New Orleans got hit more than he's ever been hit, maybe in his career. Um, you know, he was sacked four times. They knocked him down ten other times. Um, he had to scramble out of there five times. And, and so, you know, when you put all that together, um, you know, he was hurried. He, you know, he threw balls too soon. He threw balls too late. Um, it, it was just not a good day for the offense, and it starts up front. So with this Ravens game, this is the this is the matchup. It's their defense against the can the offensive line bounce back, and 
I mean, I think if you if you went into the draft next year and you were just listing what do we need, well, you need a lot on defense. I mean, you know, that's clear because they were one of the worst in the league until Mark Duffner took over, and they still have a lot of holes on that side of the ball, particularly at corner, um, even though they got some young guys. But right, you know, right at the top of the list has to be some help on that offensive line. I mean, you, you've got to get – you know, whether you re-sign Donovan Smith as a free agent, you have re-signed Ali Marpet. Jensen's going to be here for a while. He's the highest-paid center in the league. But you've got to start to address the right side of that line. Uh, DeMar Dotson can't play forever, and, and that you don't have a right guard. So had it fallen, it's funny, because if the draft had fallen differently, we wouldn't be talking about Derwin James or Vita Vea. We'd have been talking about Quentin Nelson. And Quentin that, was Nelson the guy right want, now, that was the guy you wanted in the draft. From the beginning, yes. the Notre Dame guard, he is killing people for the Colts right now. And Andrew Luck is back, and they're not touching Andrew Luck. And they're running the football, you know, um, with the kid from USF. Mac is, is having a great year for them. Um, so, you know, it just didn't fall that way. The Bucks were just, you know, they're just out of every great rookie that there was based on their draft position. Uh, and maybe Vita Vea will have a good career. I mean, again, it's still too early. Like Bradley Chubb, for example. You know, they, if things fall right, Bradley Chubb is available to them. You know, and he has a chance to break or at least tie Javon Curse's rookie sack record. And no one's even talking about the guy. Um, so, you know, that's just the fate of things. That's just the way it goes, which is interesting because the Bucks are sitting here with five wins. And right now I think they would pick, I think, eighth in the, in the draft. But that could fall to 10 or 12 or 14 if they win another game or so. And you look back to last year's draft and you go, you know what, if they had left one, one less game, they'd have gotten one hell of a player. You know, They could have thrown a dart at the board and, and taken either Chubb or Nelson and would have been happy with them. But that's not where they were. So we'll see if, uh, like I said, this is, this is going to be an interesting game with Lamar Jackson running the football as much as he has um, and, uh, you know, that, that defense is going to have to be really disciplined not to let him outside the pocket, let him press the perimeter because he can fly. I was talking to Gerald McCoy on Thursday, and I said, you know, Lamar Jackson, he goes, he's Michael Vick reincarnate. I go, what, really? He goes, no, I'm telling you. He goes, the body, the speed, uh, the way this guy, you know, can, can just turn it up field and run by people. Um, can throw the ball, has a decent start. Now, he's not, he's not a very accurate guy. I mean, I think he's well under 60% completion, and they don't throw the ball all much with him. Um, but, you know, part of that is they don't have great receivers either, um, Michael Crabtree and guys like that. But uh, Lamar Jackson is, is fun to watch, and he has changed that Ravens offense because, you know, the Ravens were – I mean, Joe Flacco was kind of middling around. Uh, they, they were under 500 team. And then Flacco gets hurt with a hip injury. And Jackson comes in, and he brings energy, and he brings a different offense that teams don't really see. Now, it just so happened they played three teams that are terrible against the run back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. Uh, three of the worst rushing defenses in the league. Um, but, you know, Jackson took full advantage, and now he's gone 3-1 and one as a starter. You know, he's had to come out of some games with some nicks and bruises, and, and that was the question I asked Cutter. Like, how is this sustainable in the NFL? Haven't we proven, you know, that in the NFL – that you 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 know you think running backs get hit a lot. Do you want your quarterback getting hit that much? Is do you want your quarterback to be your leading rusher and be the guy um, who you're calling running plays for? The only guy in the NFL they really do a lot of that with is Cam Newton. But Cam Newton is a mountain, you know, and they pick their spots and they do a lot of red zone. Like he's he's averaged a little over 100 carries a season. Um, but the way Jackson has gone, hell, he'd have as many as most running backs in the league if he kept this up. So, you know, we've seen this with RG3, who won Rookie of the Year with the Redskins, and he happens to be the number three quarterback in Baltimore, coincidentally. But it destroyed him. You know, he blew up his knee, was never the same player. Um, you know, Kaepernick is probably another reason why he's not in the NFL. But with, with, the, with the migration upward uh, from high school to college and then now into the NFL, these spread offenses of these quarterbacks who are dual threats, you're going to see more guys like Lamar Jackson. You just are. And it's going to be up to the NFL whether they feel like, you know, you can get what you can out of them. I get the feeling that John Harbaugh, who has to win because Steve Bashotti, the owner, said last year, you know, we missed the playoffs three years in a row. This is unacceptable. Well, how does four feel? And I, I think that John Harbaugh knows he has to win. And so with Flacco healthy, and he's going to be the number two quarterback on Sunday, 
he's chosen to stick with Lamar Jackson because even if it's short term, what does he care? Lamar Jackson gets hurt, okay. There's, that's, that's the way it goes. I mean, it's possible you'll see Flacco back in there before the season ends. But he, he's enabling them to win games right now. And that's really all that matters. And the Bucks need to win right now. <laughs> so, well, that's kind of why I, the, that's why the quarterback carousel happened here in Tampa Bay this year. I mean, it started yes. with the suspension, but it was we're trying to win right now. You're exactly right. When coaches are under pressure, you know, and I've thought about that, Steve. It's such a great point. If this was Dirk Cutter's first or second year, okay, um, does he does he ever leave? I mean, you know, regardless of what Fitzpatrick does. When Jameis comes back, and he pretty much started when he came back. He, he had the mop-up duty in Chicago his first game back, second half, and he started the next game. And I thought he played pretty well in Atlanta. They lost the game, but he played pretty well. Then they beat Cleveland, and he didn't play very well. Um, but then he has the nightmare game in Cincinnati, four-interception game. Well, we've seen those games before. Yeah, he would have been in the know? next week if it was Dirk. He'd have started the year. next week if it was Dirk's first or second year. And i got to be honest with you. I think going back to Fitzpatrick was a mistake. It just was. and In, in hindsight, it definitely was. Yeah, he shouldn't have stuck with him three weeks. I mean, okay, so, you know, he doesn't play well in one game and he doesn't play that well in another game. But to start him against the New York Giants was a mistake. I said it at the time, and I think, I think Dirk probably regrets it. Well, isn't it. that the argument they always make? I mean, you know, and for instance, you know, we know Joe Madden, who's going into his last year of a contract in Chicago, and they're asking him mm-hmm. about, you know, your last year of a contract, you're going to manage differently, this, that, and the other. And, mm-hmm. and Joe's at a place where he probably won't and doesn't need to. Um, you know, one, if, if Chicago lets him go, he, he could either retire or somebody else will hire him. He'll definitely be in demand. But yep. when, when you have a coach that is either in the last year of a contract or, or knows he's fighting for his job, or in Dirk's case, I mean, Dirk himself said it was courageous for the owners to bring him back. You're right. You know, that you coach with the desperation and, and not necessarily – not necessarily – I don't want to say the best interest of the team because winning is in the best interest of the team, but you, you make snap decisions or harsher decisions maybe because it's – I'm trying to win right now and, and you know, the future doesn't matter and, and you're, you know, it's, it's kind of tunnel vision, I guess. It's a Lovey Smith. It's never about the future. It's always about the future. What it is is that if you think short-term – the owners will think short-term. If you think long-term, the owners will think long-term. And I think, you know, obviously, if you go 5-11 and 11 in your dirt cutter and you think they're courageous, then what, what do they have to be to bring you back if you go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9? and nine? I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, the pressure's on. The irony of this whole season, to me, is that the big to-do, the big panic, the big, oh, my gosh, was – how do they navigate these three or maybe four weeks without Jameis Winston? Look at the schedule. They're playing at New Orleans. Then they're going to come home against the Super Bowl champions, and they're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. And you know what? They went 2-0, and 2-1, actually, and should have probably beaten Pittsburgh if not for three picks and three plays. It turns out the other 13 um, games were the harder ones. To, to that's correct. And, and play. That's, that is correct. And, and so that's what's going to get you because you put all your energy and – you know, sort of planning into, you know, can we just get through? And then you take a big sigh of relief. But but because of what Ryan Fitzpatrick did and the way he did it, you know, just lighting fools up and 400 yards a game and four touchdowns and you know, Deshaun's jewelry and all of a sudden everything's working. Deshaun Jackson is, is, is killing people and Mike Evans is destroying people and, the, you know, didn't matter that the defense gave up 40. We don't defense. Who cares? We're like the Big 12. Um, all that mattered was the W's, and so you kind of overlook some things. And, and yet, you know, because of that success, that's what made Dirk Cutter so quick to pull the, you know, to pull the, the trigger on, on Jameis Winston when he came back. And when he wasn't playing well, he had a better option in his mind. He had somebody that, that he could turn to and win games with. And until, you know, Jameis provided that opportunity, um, it wasn't there. I mean, no one was thinking Ryan Fitzpatrick last year was going to at any point. I mean, hell, Jameis Winston went out there for three games with, with a bad shoulder. You know what I mean? I mean, he was beat up. He couldn't practice until Friday. They never once thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick was a better option. Same guy standing on the sideline. You know what I mean? Same guy they had this year. But last year, no, Jameis, can you go? You need your big guy. 
go on out there against Buffalo. You know, go on out there. And and then finally they had to they had to pull him. You know, because he couldn't play anymore. He couldn't throw the ball. So I mean, what what changed? Well, what changed was he wasn't even an option. And you and and then Fitzpatrick got off to such a hot start, and Dirk Cutter bought it. You know, he bought that he had a guy who was better prepared and he needed to win Sunday. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think every coach, I don't care what year they're in, feels like I've got to do everything I can I can do to win this week. If you're not doing that, but there is, you know, there is an organizational sort of mandate that look, we're gonna we're gonna play Baker Mayfield, okay? Uh, we're gonna play the number one pick, uh, you know, Sam Sam Darnold or whatever. Um, you know, there comes a time when you're just gonna make that move because you have to let this guy start to, you know, develop the calluses and figure out what the NFL is about. And, and so from an organizational standpoint, you commit to that. You know you might lose games. Maybe you got a, you know, a Josh McCown on the sideline that could be, have, be a better option for that Sunday. But you say, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to turn to the young guy. We're going to go through it. You know, we're going to come out the other side and we're going to have a franchise quarterback. But somewhere along the way, like you said, um, winning this Sunday became the biggest thing to the head coaching staff and to the, maybe the GM or whoever. And so now the owners have to evaluate this based on your decisions. And like I said, it was about, you know, your record this year, all those things, and it just hasn't worked out. But um, but we'll see if Jameis – we'll see how Jameis – this is going to be an interesting game because Jameis Winston, uh, you know, is still trying to play careful. He's still trying not to turn the ball over, which is his job. But at times he was almost too careful. You know, at times against a really good defense, he didn't make enough plays. Well, and this defense um, is going to get after you. They're going to come after him, and he's going to have to get the ball out of his hands. And he's got to and make decisions the, quick, really fast. And and the, the the opportunity is there in this sense. The Bucks, for the most part, have done pretty good in man coverage. I mean, you know, the thing about man coverage is though it forces you to be precise. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you have to you have to. There's not big open windows where guys are going to sit down in the middle of zones and you just get it in the neighborhood. You're going to have to throw the ball um, with precision. And, but, but your guys, and I think he believes in his guys, whether it's Mike Evans or Humphreys or Braid or whoever, they have to win. You know, Chris Godwin is coming off a horrible game. You know, he had one catch and ten targets. And it was, you know, so let's see if he can bounce back. But, but you have, your guys have to beat those one-on-one matchups. They have to win them. And he has to go to the right one. And then when he does, he has to throw the ball on time with precision. And if they do that, there's big plays to make against this, against this Ravens team. You can make huge plays. Um, and that's pretty much the kind of game that's going to be feast or phantom um, because uh, they're going to gamble and they're going to come after him. And God help you if you get to third down because then they're really going to come after you. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to see if, uh, if the Bucs can, uh, can bounce back and uh, and maybe look, eight and eight is a good chance that there's going to be a wild card team in the NFC at eight and eight. You got all these teams with six wins. Um, you know, Carolina has to play New Orleans twice. You know, Minnesota is not trending upward right now, so it's going to be a wild finish in the NFC. I, I couldn't really tell you which team's going to come out of this on top. No, it, it, look, I mean, all these teams are st- still alive in this hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the the Bucks schedule is pretty tough when you're at the Ravens at the Cowboys. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then you've got the Falcons at home to end the season, correct? Yep. Falcons yeah. in the end. Neither team probably have much to play for at that point. At least the Falcons might yeah, not. But the, but the Ravens and Cowboys do. So you've got a tough two weeks here on the road. But you, if you can somehow pull out two wins and get to eight and seven going into that last week, or uh, well, right. I guess it would be seven and eight going into the last week. Sorry. Seven and eight and trying to get to eight and eight. And I think eight and eight, I'll say this now. I think eight and eight it ends up being the final wild card. I don't think anyone's going nine and seven out. Minnesota of might get to eight, seven, and one, and that may knock you out. That could be it. That could be it. Yeah, but I don't think right. they get to nine. They don't get to nine, six, and one. They may get to eight. Seven, I don't and think. One. Yeah, I don't think anybody gets to nine wins in the in, in the sixth seed in the NFC. I, I will, I will say that going in before we get to these last three weeks. But that's what that's what I expect. So. So it'll be an exciting weekend. Of course, we'll have all of that on Monday for you on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Lots of bowl games starting this Sunday or this Saturday, actually. Uh, and uh, the Lightning play Winnipeg on Sunday. The, the Rays could make who knows what deal, even though the winter meetings have wrapped up. But uh, we'll have all that for you on Monday. We appreciate you guys being here. We are here every Monday through Friday. Uh, love your interaction with us on Twitter. You can reach us at Sports Day TV. You can reach me at NFL Stroud on Twitter. And my email address is rstroud 
at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.